Here, help yourself. It's for the pumpkin, not you. Promise. All of mine were dull. Smashing jack-o'-lanterns. Stealing candy. It's okay. Believe it or not, I was just like you when I was a kid. Till my dad set me straight, that is. See, my dad taught me tonight is about respecting the dead. Because this is the one night that the dead and all sorts of other things roam free. <laughs> and pay us a visit. Sorry. All these traditions. Jack-o'-lanterns, putting on costumes, handing out treats. They were started to protect us, but nowadays, no one really cares. <coughs> oh, I didn't do such a good job, did I? What do you think? Hey. Okay. Need a rope here? <laughs> Wait. <coughs> That's right. There's another tradition. <coughs> Very important one. <coughs> Always check your candy. <laughs> People really should learn to keep their hands to themselves. Here's yours. It's all because of me that we're here now. Hungry, and cold, and hunted. Killer clowns in outer space. Holy shit. The doctor is in. I'm gonna get you, fuckers! I love you, Keith. But all I can see right now is food. Sometimes, that is better. Hey, what's going on, son? It's what's coming off. Your face, clean off. I'm gonna light up your whole body, girl. Happy Halloween and Welcome everyone to our Halloween Horathon 2 Dead by Pod finale right here on the Film Effect Podcast where we give movies the full effect deep dive for the Film Effect Archive. It's heartbreaking, but unfortunately every good thing must come to an end. And on that note, we've definitely been saving the best for last with this very fitting Horathon finale. I'm Ed, and this is Trick or Treat. guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow always stay on sidewalks never go to a stranger's house and never go out alone This is the one night 
and all sorts of things. Roam free. Sorry. All these traditions. Wait, wait. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Ancient tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. You look great. What did we do now? We meet our dates. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? The Halloween school bus massacre. They started to protect us, but... Morning, guys. How are you doing down there? Hiding bodies? <laughs> Nowadays, no one really cares. This one's the lit. What is that? It's them. Oh my god. Look at me. It's not a trick. It's real. Tonight, it's about respecting the customs, not breaking them. In Trick or Treat, five interwoven stories occur in the town of Warren Valley, Ohio on Halloween night, involving an everyday high school principal with a secret life as a serial killer, a college virgin who might have just met the guy for her, a group of teenagers pulling a mean prank with dark consequences, a woman who loathes the holiday having to contend with her holiday-obsessed husband, and a mean old man who meets his match with a demonic, supernatural trick-or-treater named Sam. So I'm just going to go ahead and bring up the elephant in the room here. Mention that yes, this is going to be a solo episode. First since I started the show, going on two years now. Fortunately, gang, Koi's a little under the weather, so we uh, want to wish him a speedy and healthy recovery. But you know the old saying... The show must go on, and so it shall. Kicking off this very special film effect deep dive of Trick or Treat with my first time viewing. Uh, it's, it's just that. You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it so if i'm not up to so yeah 2009 right before it came out on home video it actually leaked on the internet i want to say about two or three weeks before it was supposed to come out i believe the release date was like the first week of october and it was somewhere sometime around the middle of september i remember it just popping up online and i was so happy i was ecstatic i could not wait i couldn't hit download fast enough because this I'm going to get into it uh, momentarily, uh, but this film was originally supposed to come out in 2007. It got pushed back, um, and I was just heartbroken, and I had been waiting and waiting and waiting to see this movie because it just looked so appealing, and, and word of mouth was just so big, and I couldn't wait, and it leaked. And normally, I don't encourage this behavior, but I was impatient, not going to lie, so I downloaded it. Took it over to Sean's house, and him and I watched it together. 
And I'll never forget that first time once the end credits started the roll, I, I just said, this is the new horror classic. Like, I, I was just hooked after that first viewing. So, yeah, it was um worth the wait. Well worth the wait. Speaking of, story time. Tell me a story. Wait. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit. But it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. So as I mentioned, this was originally supposed to come out in October 2007. It was supposed to be a, an appropriate Halloween release. But Warner Brothers, for whatever reason, just yanked it off the schedule. Like, not only did they do that, but I, I vaguely remember them waiting like... Just just a month before it was supposed to come out is when they were like, "Yeah, you guys are looking forward to this movie we got coming out next month, right? Yeah, brand new horror anthology, right? Mm-hmm. Anna Paquin, mm-hmm. Michael Doherty, yeah. Brian Singer's producing. Oh yeah, uh huh. Nope. Think again. It got yanked, and it was uh, it was delayed indefinitely. Um, one reason might have been that Saw 4 was coming out around the same time and Warner Brothers just got scared, didn't want to compete with it because at that time Saw was still making more and more money with every sequel that was coming out. It, it, it had yet to decline. I want to say Saw 5 is when that started to happen. But yeah, uh, around the time of Saw 4, the series was still going strong. So, I mean... It's not like Saw release was a surprise to anybody because they were just releasing those films, you know, yearly. And I remember it. some of, some of the movies weren't even out yet before the, the following film was, you know, announced and given the green light and a release date. So, yeah, it's not like Saw was a surprise. So I'm not quite sure if that one is, uh, if that's the reason why. But um, another possible reason was that uh, it was a possible fallout from the box office disappointment of Superman Returns from the year prior, which was co-written by Trick or Treat writer and director Michael Doherty, and they both films were produced by Brian Singer, whose uh, you know, production company did this film. There was brief talk that the film would finally come out the following year, in 2008, but uh, that never happened, and eventually they dumped the movie in 2009, to straight the DVD. Yeah. So as much as I love this movie. And as many times as I have seen this movie. I unfortunately have never been able to watch it. In a big screen setting. So I know it was released. Um, they, a couple of theaters around here locally were showing it last week. But unfortunately I was out of town. I was camping. So I missed out on that. It's like they knew I was going to be away, and they waited till that specific week to release it. Not the week of Halloween, but the, like the week or two beforehand, which is weird. And I think it was $5, too. That's it. So it was a steal. I'm jealous of people that got to see it. So yeah, that's that. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different with this episode. 
I'm going to hold off on the top five, and there's a reason for it. Um, so yeah, we're going to hold off on the top five till later on in the categories. Without further ado, let's talk about Trick or Treat. It's moving pretty fast, wouldn't you say? So the movie is based on Mike Doherty's animated short film, Season's Greetings, from 2004. Um, actually, no, I don't know why that's in my notes. Season Greetings was actually from 96, which um, was the introduction of the character Sam. Now, Season's Greetings, it's a special on the DVD. You can watch it. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, back when Fearnet was airing this religiously, they also had an option to watch the season beatings short. And yeah, it's uh, really short, like not even five minutes, I want to say. It's it's Sam, you know, like we see him in this film. Dressed in his trademark orange footy pajamas with his burlap sap head covering. And he's being stalked by this stranger on Halloween night. And then what happens is, like, he, like, ends up luring, luring the stranger into this alley and pretty much turns the table. I, I don't want to, like, get into everything that happens in case, you know, some people listening to this have yet to see Season's Greetings. You should check it out, though. Like I said, it's on YouTube, you know, and it's really short and painless and, you know, it's, it's cute, too. And it's got that Halloween feel to it, just like the film does. And, uh, yeah, so that was the main inspiration behind this film. Uh, he essentially just took the Sam character and made him the film's crypt keeper and centered everything around him. Um, they shot the film over 40 days. It was a tight 40-day shoot, apparently. There were 18 drafts of the script, and one theme that crept in along the way is the idea that each of the stories represents a different stage of a person's experience of Halloween. The first story with Dylan Baker and his son is about how you're introduced to the holiday. The second one with the kids is you and your friends roaming around without parents for the first time. The one with Anna Paquin and her friends is about Halloween in your 20s when it's about sex. And the final story with Brian Cox is Halloween in your twilight years. It's the Scrooge of Halloween. They couldn't use any recognizable candy bars for this film because all the candy in the movie is either poisoned or filled with razor blades. So they had to create their own instead, which was pretty fun, like what I already said. Coming up with the idea of stuff like Big Fudge Log and stupid names like that. Or, um, you know, Holly Hums or whatever they are that, that, that Sam uh, gets a hold of. You know, it's, it's, I can see how, what he means by that. Uh, Michael Doherty also credits the Midnight Hour from 1985 among his favorite, um, films, which was his main influence when writing the script for this movie. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the Midnight Hour from 85. I'll have to check that out, actually. Every single death in the movie occurs off camera. I did not know that, or recognize that, realize that, whatever, until doing my notes for this episode the deaths are either obstructed by something or the camera cuts away right before the character dies it's a rare feat for a horror film but hey i guess it works i've never noticed it before until reading about it so didn't it didn't bother me at all once so all right so the film kicks off with our black and white 
little educational film that originally wasn't supposed to be there. It was initially part of just the trailer, made just for the trailer, but Doherty loved it so much that he made it the actual opening to the movie as well. And then it cuts to Halloween night, and we get this couple who are coming home from either a costume party or, you know, we're going to find out it might have been the parade that the town has. Um, But yeah, it's this couple, Emma and Henry, who are coming home. Emma's this robot, and Henry's this, like, I guess, knight or something. And she hates Halloween. She hates it to death. And it's funny, too, because for someone who hates Halloween as much as she does, man, she really gives her husband an awful lot of leeway for decorating because that entire front yard is just infested with decorations. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I didn't like Halloween or a certain holiday and I told my significant other, not that I'm that kind of person, but just for story's sake, if I were, make damn sure you wouldn't have, you know, like an entire you know, yard just fluttered with decorations for the holiday that you don't, you know, want to cel- want to be celebrating. It's just, you know, little things like that that I noticed watching a bunch of times. Um, the kids running around, because it's, you know, it's a Halloween movie, so there was a bunch of shots with extras, you know, kids running around the streets. Uh, they were actually little people, and not kids in costumes because of the, you know, shooting laws with uh, kids and with for them shooting late. Some of the shots, they couldn't have children on set, so that's why they had to uh, be creative. So an interest, interesting detail, and this one blew my mind, because as many times as I've seen this movie, I never once noticed this until now. So, a few minutes into the movie, we're still outside before Emma and Henry come back to their house, and we see, like, the car pull up and almost hit. It's We see, like, a lot of angles from, like, the feet or, like, the ground level, because if the camera panned up, you would know, because I think they, they, you know, replicate this shot later on in the film, but with the camera upward... So the car that almost hits the girl, the girl is Rhonda, the car is driven by, um, you know, Anna Paquin and all of them. And then, like I said, uh, Sam, he's around, Emma and Henry are on their way home. If you notice in the background, because across the street we learn later on from Emma and Henry's is Mr. Krieg, Brian Cox. It's at the two, it's, it's at the three and a half minute mark of the movie, exactly... 3.30 you can see the kids from the you know the, the, the dead kids from the school bus that, that tear them apart right before the film cuts the credits you actually see them exiting his yard leaving his house in the background I never noticed that before it's so cool yeah just next time you watch this movie you know check it out or if you're on the blu-ray or dvd you know, pop it in. It's it's pretty cool. I like I said, I've watched this film like 15, 20 times. Never noticed it once. So, um, and finally, the blood that was used to show De- Emma's demise beneath the sheet was boiled right before filming, so it would steam. And I noticed that too. After you see her get killed by Sam, there's like this big, like, puddle of blood and it's steaming, uh, because it's cold outside and blood is hot. I don't have to explain physics to you guys. You get it. 
All right, so the story. So Emma and Henry come home. She's pooped. She right off the cuff blows out a jack-o'-lantern, which freaks Henry out. He's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. You know, you're supposed to wait. And she's like, well, who says? Says who? And he's like, um, ancient tradition? And she's just like, uh, no. This is a great idea, honey. Really. It's just magical. It makes me wish every night was Halloween. Sorry, Em. Wait, wait, wait. Not yet. What? You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Uh, Ancient tradition? Henry, it's Halloween, not Hanukkah. Baby, I'm lit, and you're lit. Your little friend here, this night's over. And he's got this look on his face because, you know, she's telling him what to do. She wants him to clean up, to take all the decorations down because her mom's coming over in the morning. It's like, who the hell takes their decorations down the night of Halloween? That's absurd. I mean, there are people that, my kind of people, leave their decorations up an extra week or so just so we can get that feeling, you know, just let that, that leftover Halloween feel. Because it's never just over on the 31st. You always got the week after Halloween where there's like half-off candy at Walmart and a lot of the haunted attractions, at least around here in the uh, Delmarva area, you know, they open up for one last weekend. Some of them are like lights out. They run specials and stuff like that. So like the Halloween season's never truly over until about a week after Halloween. I've, I've noticed that over the last decade or so. Um... So, yeah, he's got this look on his face, and she's like, Never mind, I'll do it. Go upstairs and put on the tape. <laughs> it's like, okay, this tape. I've got so many questions about this. So, he goes upstairs to the room while she starts taking down decorations and putting them in tubs. And there is this tape he pulls out. It's just, called, it's just a blank recorded tape, and it's a VHS labeled nature special i love it and of course it's anything but a nature special i don't have to spill the stuff out for you you know it's porn so you know emma and henry are into some kinky shit they like to watch porn together and then get at it so he's all happy watching it laying there meanwhile she's outside taking down decorations and at first she gets spooked up by this guy in a white mask just staring at her from across the street but turns to come to find out it's just the dude waiting for his ride. So this car pulls up, he gets in, yada yada. So she's like relieved. And before there's any more time to feel okay, she throws down decorations into this tub and then out pops this the white sheet she threw in. It pops right back out and, and covers her. Come to find out, it's Sam, and he's wrapped in this 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 ghost sheet, and uh, he's attacking her, and he he's like, you know, just uh, yeah, he's attacking her, and they make their way into the street in the front yard, I mean, and you know that's when the slit happens because he takes his uh, he's got this. I love his little knife. It's just jack-o'-lantern pop a lollipop that he just bit off in the corners it just resembles a like a half moon crescent and it's like sharp so it's like a knife so he takes it and slits her throat open with it and then drags her body back into the yard and then henry wakes up because apparently you know porn makes him pass out so must not have been that excited so he goes out looking for emma and 
he finds her all right. Man, what a way to kick this movie off. He pulls down this bloody sheet, and it's her head with her other body parts in the form of this, like, decoration. And it's got, he just looked, Sam lodged that goddamn sucker into her mouth to stretch it. And he just screams, and it freezes into a animation strip. And we set off with the film's opening credits. Set the Douglas Pipe score. Holy crap! Douglas Pipe and his score. Um, it's 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 really. It helps. It, it really makes this movie. Oh man, it's it's like the perfect ode to Danny Elfman. I mean, I, I thought it was Danny Elfman until I had to look at the, the credits because I'm like, is that Danny Elfman doing the music? No, it's this guy, Douglas Pipes. Um, so yeah, the opening credits include artwork from various members of the team. Basically, everybody who could draw contributed to the opening title sequence. There are also childhood photos from various cast and crew members too. So all that makes up the uh, opening credit sequence. That's pretty cool how it's just like everyone, you know, everyone's contributing their own little drawing or illustration or what have you. And uh, I think it's pretty cool of Michael Doherty to uh, incorporate that. You know, um, it sounds to me like his productions are like one giant family. So that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, the film itself cuts back to this uh, parade where this, the, the, the town parade and we see this news report um, funny, the reporter of, of this news report remarks, werewolves, zombies, and demons of every variety have descended on the normally sleepy town of Warren Valley, Ohio, which is an obvious foreshadowing to the creatures that end up being revealed over the course of the film. We got the werewolves looking over victims, we got the zombies in the rock quarry, and we got Sam looking for candy, and to see that the rules of Halloween are being followed. So... Many of the extras during the parade sequence are members of the Vancouver's Parade of Lost Souls that actually do this every Halloween in the streets. I mean, they really get down up there in Canada. And I should also mention that's where this film is... That's where they filmed this, was actually Canada. Um, you know, obviously. You know, tax cuts and a lot of people up there are Canadian. It's a Canadian production, throw and throw. Um... Then we cut to this dressing room inside this costume shop. We just hear a bunch of different women in their appropriate fitting rooms changing. Uh, we see this little boy outside, this little peeping Tom on this, uh, this, this, he's on a mission. And he's trying to look through all the cracks at all the girls and stuff. And they're not, they're not paying attention to him because they're worried about what they look like. And, um, you know, the mother scolds him and pulls him away. And then reminds the ladies that there's a, you know, it's a public restroom, or not, Jesus, it's a public fitting room to watch their language. And um, the boy here is played by Colin, Colin, is played by Quinn Lord, who plays Sam. Um, and yeah, when the girls are buying their costumes, the one girl, Danielle, says that her, no, she tells her date to meet them at Shepherd's, at Sheep's Meadow. This is actually another foreshadowing, um, you know, later on. Because werewolves, you know, the old saying, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Get it? Um, Anna Paquin's Laurie. She's like the virgin of the group. And it's like her sister and her sister's friends are there. 
and all of them are dressed up as different Disney princesses. One's Belle, one's Cinderella, one's Sleeping Beauty, and Anna Paquin's Laurie is Little Red Riding Hood. So they're obviously going to what appears to be a costume party. Uh, her uh, Laurie's sister, Danielle, keeps making reference to her finding a day that they have theirs. They just basically just find whatever schmuck they can to go to this party with them. Danielle asks the guy who checks them out, like they rings out their costumes at the uh, checkout line. She ends up asking him out to be her date. Meanwhile, her two friends just go outside during the town festival. And I mentioned that reporter, her production t- team over at the van, you know, the cameraman and I guess the, the, the tech, two guys. They go over there and say, hey, we need dates for this party we're going to. Boom. So Anna, uh, Anna Paquin's got to find her own. Remember that. So we cut to another story. Well, before we do, we, we, we're still at the party at this, this big festival and we see this boy walking with, like, he's dragging his dirty-ass sack of, of candy. Man, this thing is so dirty. He's just dragging it through, like, all the puddles and the mud. And, like, it's, it's so disgusting. It's something I It's a detail I always notice every time I watch this movie. It's just how dirty that sack is. He's just dragging. And he's, you know, he makes his way from the party to, like, the, the neighborhood... And he's knocking over all the jack-o'-lanterns as he's passing by the houses and stuff and all the front yards. And he makes his way to this one house that has a little thing out front on the porch that says, you know, no one's home. You know, take take one, please. You know, help yourself. Just take one, right? No, you never, t- you never take one. No one ever just takes one. So, of course, this kid, who I should mention, his name is Charlie, um... He's just going about his day, his business, and he's just dumping the candy into his bag and gets caught by the principal of all people. That can't be good for your diabetes, Charlie. Uh... Don't waste a good lie on this. It's just candy. Guess it's a good thing I got more. Why don't you sit down? Stay for a minute. Oh, I can't. Sit down, Charlie. Principal Wilkins, played by Dylan Baker. Freaking Dylan Baker. Owen, from my all-time favorite movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Most people probably remember him, though, uh, from the Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy as Dr. Connors, um, who, unfortunately, was not able to portray the lizard villain in that series. Um... But yeah, Dylan Baker's been in so many movies other than other than that. He's just a guy with a face. You look at him, and it's like, oh, I know that guy. I've seen him in this, that, and the third. Um, yeah, he plays Principal Wilkins. Charlie, though, the kid running around, knocking over pumpkins, and dragging the dirtiest sack of candy ever. He is played by Thurman Merman himself, Brett Kelly from Bad Santa. Oh, yes. When I think of Brett Kelly, of course, I think of Brett, a Bad Santa first and foremost. But then I have to think about Trick or Treat because he just looks almost the same. You can tell he's gotten older because when he says a couple words, he's got a deeper voice, you know, because Thurman Merman said like all five words throughout the entire movie Bad Santa, I think. Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm just 
I haven't seen Bad Santa in a long, long time. But um, I just remember Charlie, or uh, Brett Kelly's character, Thurman, just being... <laughs> I don't know. I gotta revisit Bad Santa. But anyway, I'm getting off topic here. Um, Principal Wilkins makes him sit down, and he starts telling him about the... Uh, you know, the rules of Halloween, you know, the check your candy and stuff like that. Um, I already wrote the script with Dylan Baker in mind. He had seen the film Happiness from 1998, and he said, he's always a fantastic at being creepy and charming, so I'm going to cast him in my movie. And it worked. Paid off in spades. I'm a big fan of Dylan Baker in this movie. Hell, I'm a big fan of Dylan Baker in anything that that man's in. He's one of my top five all-time favorite character actors, that's for damn sure. So, yeah, he gives Charlie uh, some more candy to eat, and he's, again, going over the rules, and that's when he reminds him about, you know, checking your candy and shit, and then all of a sudden, Charlie just has this sudden feeling, and next thing you know, he is puking up this concoction of vomit made of chocolate milk, and, 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 oh, man, it's disgusting. It is so disgusting what's coming out of his mouth and it's like just projectile vomiting and it's it's crazy and then he ends up keeling over and dies i love it when he dies and wilkins takes the lollipop and just like unwraps it real quick and puts it in his mouth and turns his head like and he gives off this look like what to do with this body time to get the work and he bites down on the sucker and then he just like starts to pull charlie into the house and then, of course, he's got this overbearing son, Billy, who's just so loud. Oh, my God. Billy, who's dressed up like these resembling Chucky from the Child's Play films. He keeps on yelling out to his dad. Uh, he wants to make jack-o'-lanterns, and he asks him to take him to the, you know, the festival with him later, but he says he can't because he has a date. And, yeah, because he pulls Charlie in, and then he's... uh. When he goes to take him down to his uh, foyer to do whatever he does to all these kids that he's poisoning. Because apparently it's not just Charlie. Like, Principal Wilkins is uh, something else. Meanwhile, um, he's interrupted by a handful of kids who we'll actually see later on in the movie. They're knocking on his door uh, asking, you know, the trick-or-treating. But they also go ask him for um, his jack-o'-lantern. So he lets him take it, and, uh, yeah, proceeds to take Charlie out back. There's this, uh, like, hole that he has dug up in his backyard, and there's a bunch of kids in there that he already killed from earlier, and he's about to bury them and, uh, cover all that up, but then he has, there's a bunch of stuff going on for Wilkins here. He's got, he's dealing with uh, his next door neighbor, played by Ronnie Cox, and his dog, you know, in the backyard, uh, trying to, asking him, you know, he's, he's suspicious. The dog keeps barking, and he comes out there, and he asks, first off, he's questioning the smell, obviously because it's dead bodies, but then, um, I lo- I've always loved the line, you know, it smells like dead whores out there, and um, then you see later on one thing this film is so good at doing is interchanging stories like during this story for example you're gonna see 
moments from the final story that we see later on. Like, there's just a lot going on here. It's like watching a Tarantino movie because it's messing with time. All these characters are involved somehow. Of course, the main big theme here is Halloween. And so, yeah. Um, and, and ends up, what ends up happening, um, oh, the other distraction while he's out back is his son, Billy. Daddy! I'm back from trick-or-treating! Billy, shh, please be quiet. Why? Because you'll bother the neighbors. Now go watch Charlie Brown, and I'll be in in a minute. Charlie Brown's an asshole! Billy Wilkins! language he keeps on yelling for him outside from the window so because billy keeps on yelling for him he says he wants to help him with the ice i'm sorry eyes for the longest time i thought he said ice but now he's saying eyes because he wants him to help him make a jack-o'-lantern and what's one of the things you cut eyes i thought he meant ice for the severed heads for spoiler alert charlie they end up making a jack-o'-lantern out of Charlie's actual head. That's the big reveal. Basically, little Charlie is... Uh, not Charlie. Um, little Billy is like his father. And we're actually going to see later on. Billy dresses up as his father. Um, this isn't the last time we see Billy in this story. So yeah, that's, that's the twist, basically. Is he kills kids and Charlie is um, his latest victim. Because he takes his son downstairs, like they're gonna, he's gonna help him. He's giving in to helping him make a jack o' lantern, and it looks like he's gonna take a knife and stab down at his son Billy's head, but then he stabs down, and it's actually on top of Charlie's severed head, and that's how the story ends. The two of them downstairs, you know, little loving, loving father-son moment, playing with the decapitated head from Thurman Merman. Oh, I love it. So then we cut to the Halloween school bus massacre. And we see a bunch of kids. Now these was uh, a few of these kids were the ones that were trick-or-treating when from the following from the last story at Mr. Perkins after he brought Charlie inside. They were the distraction. Anyway, this is their story now. And they're all getting they're collecting jack-o'-lanterns from all around the neighborhood for this ritual or prank as we find out later on is um yeah it's, it's really fucked up this is a really dark uh segment so um yeah they meet up with this kid schrader and they make schrader pick up this girl Rhonda, who's joining them for their little excursion and Rhonda is this girl dressed up as a witch who knows all too much about Samhain and has a house that is literally covered in jack-o'-lanterns from top to bottom. And when I say covered, it looks like they got about one to two thousand pumpkins out there. I mean, I'm maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but seriously, it is a boatload of jack-o'-lanterns. And yeah, most of them behind the scenes were made out of either foam or ceramic for obvious reasons. And Rhonda's house itself was modeled after the White's residence in Cary. In particular, it was inspired by a scene towards the end of the De Palma Classic where the house was lit by a number of candles in the windows. This foreshadows the scene in which Rhonda, much like Carrie, 
seeks revenge on her tormentors after a prank going wrong. So we suddenly cut to the, uh, that parade slash festival that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And there's this woman in like this alleyway getting hot and heavy with this guy dressed up in this like kind of gothic-esque vampire suit sort of thing, wearing a mask and everything. And he's wearing... He's, he has, Eventually, he re- he's revealed to have fangs, and she. I have questions about this scene. Um, I guess I'll bring it up now, with with you know, while getting ahead of myself. So we know we find out later on that this quote unquote vampire who attacks and eventually kills this poor woman is Principal Wilkins, who we just saw with his son Billy. Now. You and I all see the same scene each time we watch this every October. And that is Wilkins with fangs. Like he actually has fangs. They're not fake teeth. The implication is that he has genuine fangs for teeth. It's a full moon. He is a vampire. Twist. Not at all. Nope, nope, nope. Not at all. And we will get to that. So, anyway, um, the rest of the Halloween school bus massacre. So, the kids take um, Rhonda and they all push their shopping carts full of jack-o'-lanterns to this quarry. And they tell the story of the bus ride going wrong. And it's a story with this yellow bull, this bus driver who is basically taking a bribe from all the all the residential parents of these kids who have special needs. It's Halloween. The mother, the parents, it's just so fucked up. It happened 30 years ago on a late Halloween afternoon. A school bus was on its usual route. But this wasn't your typical school bus. And they weren't your typical kids. There were eight of them. And they were different. Troubled. Disturbed. Every day, parents put their dirty secrets on this bus to be driven to a school miles outside of town. That day, the driver took a different route. Wrong way. Wrong way. Wrong way. And instead of taking the students home, he drove the bus to an abandoned rock quarry. This rock quarry.
the kids didn't know was that over the years, their parents had become exhausted, embarrassed. And they were willing to do anything to ease their burden. So one day, the parents approached the bus driver and made him an offer. With the money they collected together, they asked him to do the unthinkable. It almost worked perfectly. Wrong way. The driver was never heard from again. As for the bus, some say it sank so deep that it couldn't be found. Others say the town just didn't want it to be found. All the parents for these special needs students basically pay off the bus driver to take their kids to the quarry and instead of school, obviously, and to make sure they're in their chains and to drive the truck or the bus off the cliff down to the quarry, killing them and making it look like an accident. So he stops at the quarry. And he puts it in park and gets up. And he's proceeding to go one by one to make sure each child is locked in their restraints. And if they are, he gives them a piece of candy. What good's the candy if they're in their restraints? But I digress. So one by one, jerk, thumbs up, here's your candy. Next, jerk, thumbs up, here's your candy. Meanwhile, this one boy who's dressed up as a vampire keeps saying he wants to go home. 
he notices right off the bat when they make a, a wrong turn that there's something wrong. And he's he's got he's very um attention um deficient or whatever the word is I'm looking for. And so he notices something's um something's not right right away when they're take when they take a wrong turn instead of going to school and going somewhere else and he, cause he says wrong way wrong way so when they get to the quarry and he's checking everybody all of a sudden he, cause he even checks this boy who I'm talking about right now but he's in the middle of the bus and so when the bus driver is going to the back of the bus to check on the kids the boy is able to slip out of his wrist restraints and he gets to the bus or he gets he gets to the driver's seat and he can't get it out of park. He's just messing with things. The bus driver goes to run towards him to stop him, but he gets tripped and falls down. And while this is happening, the boy suddenly gets it in the gear and takes off on the bus. Well, I don't know if he knows how to turn or use the steering wheel because he just goes straight and right off of that quarry in a shot that is just fucking awesome. You see, it's a, it's a one shot effort too. You see the you see the bus go off the edge, and then the camera goes straight, and then it pulls up, and you get this really wild like shot from straight above as it's going right down the bus sinking down into the water it is a really really cool and effective shot one of my top three favorite shots in this entire film so the segment um you know a bunch of the kids that go to the quarry or whatever so when the camera pans down it actually basically when he's picking up the students we see the Plymouth Fury from Christine. Now, Christine, John Carpenter, based off a book from Stephen King, while it may be Doherty paying homage to one of his favorite directors, John Carpenter, it is also used symbolically as a bad omen for the children inside of the bus. That's why that Christine cameo is right there in the neighborhood scene before they go to the quarry. The school bus story is an homage to its one. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, and originally took place in a cemetery that's overgrown with pumpkins. This I just recently found, or yeah, read about, and was uh, a lot of respect. That's all I'm gonna say. So much respect for this. Um, the kids with special needs under the masks. Guess what? They're all played by actors kids with special needs so they kept that you know authentic which it's it, it's pretty cool and originally it was going to be revealed that Rhonda was dead as well along with the eight kids who returned coming up but they changed it so yeah back to the story kids they're at the quarry and uh, they go down Except for Rhonda. They make one of the boys stay up there with Rhonda while they go down and investigate the quarry. And they pull the prank on Rhonda, essentially. They pretend like they're being attacked. So Rhonda and the boy go down to help them at the quarry down at the bottom. There's like this industrial elevator that they're using to get up and down. 
And so they go down together, Londa and this boy who was left behind with her. And when they go down there, they can't find anybody. And then while they're investigating, they eventually find these zombie kids who appear from the water and start chasing them. And the boy who stays behind with Rhonda, he, they make it look, appear like he's getting his intestines eaten by these zombie kids. And they all gang up on Rhonda and start chasing her. But what they don't plan is for her to step backwards, slip, and fall about 10 feet down, hitting the back of her head over a rock. Which, in reality, would knock her the fuck out. And if she wasn't killed, then she definitely would have a concussion like no other. So yeah, she's knocked out and then comes to, and they're all out of their masks, and they all are like, you know, the one boy Schrader is comforting her. We got this. I I haven't even talked about Maria, not Maria, uh, Macy, this blonde girl who's just so mean spirited, and she's trying to run everything, and she's like somewhat jealous of Rhonda? Question mark. I don't know, but it's 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 something else. Um, she does a great job. Britt Mc, uh, Brick McKillop, who plays Macy, does a great job. She was also apparently on the show Dead to Me, or Dead Like Me, sorry. Um, but yeah, does a great job in this as uh, the, the, the boy, Macy. And what eventually happens is we find out that they're not alone down there in the quarry, that the students from the bus massacre are, in fact, there with them as well. And they really are zombies, and they really are coming after them. So they are chased, and Rhonda just kind of nonchalantly disappears from the moment. Um, enough for you, enough time that when you remember, hey, what happened to Rhonda? It's back when the kids are all running towards that service elevator to, to get back up and away from the zombie kids. But who's in there already? Rhonda is. And Rhonda's also got a jack-o'-lantern with her too, I guess for comfort. And she, she kind of like sits there and re- goes to like, you know, let them in. But then she's like, nah, hits the button, sending her up to the top of the quarry away from all the chaos. Not again. Wait here.
gate! Wilson, please! Open the gate! <laughs> Open the gate, please! This, this moment here is just it's Jeff's kiss because comes up, all you hear is just the kids down at the bottom of the quarry being, you know, ripped apart and, and eaten and stuffed by the zombies. And she comes walking out and it's really dark and it's just got this Halloween mood to it. And it's windy and cold and she's walking back home, starts her journey. And as soon as she looks over, there's Sam. Because Sam appears in every fucking segment throughout this movie. Every time someone dies, Sam's there to witness it. So, of course, Sam is here when, she, when Rhonda comes back up and uh, decides she wants to go home. She's had too much fun for Halloween night. And she hightails it back home with her, red with her radio flyer wagon with full of uh, uh, pumpkins that she took from Schrader. And, uh, yeah, that's that segment, which leads us to our next segment, Surprise Party with Anna Paquin and company. Um, yeah, it's her walking by herself. There's this party in the woods that she's supposed to go to. She's supposed to find herself a date. Everyone else, like I mentioned before, they found dates at the costume store. So Anna Paquin's running around, I guess, at this parade, carnival, or whatever. And in this alley... Kind of similar to the alley we saw earlier when, when Wilkins was a, I guess, vampire for the moment. Um, he appears and we think that he's going to do the same thing to Anna Paquin as this girl from earlier. But nah, far from it. In fact, Anna Paquin changed, turns the tables on our man. And we, we yeah, so we cut to the party. Um, it's your typical bonfire, everyone's hanging out in costumes, drinking, partying, and Danielle and her friends are all wondering what's taking her so, or what's taking her sister so long. Meanwhile, there's this, like, giant baby in the background, played by C. Ernst Harth. It is literally the same Canadian actor who appeared in 13 Ghosts, um... When was it? When was 13 Ghosts compared to this movie? Let's see, this movie came out in 09. 13 Ghosts came out yeah, about eight years prior. Eight years difference, yeah. Um, he plays the great child in 13 Ghosts. So all you, all you 13 Ghosts fans listening that know the character, that's it. We hear a scream and a body fall from the trees. And, um... Yeah, when this body falls... This random 
teddy bear, just giant teddy bear, pops up as Wilkins falls from the tree. Spoiler alert, it's Wilkins. All of a sudden, she starts strutting above him, and she's doing this number, and Wilkins is laying there, because he's got nowhere to go, because his goddamn leg's broken. You actually see the bone sticking from his, it's popping out of his skin. It's that gnarly, one of those wounds. So he ain't going to run anytime soon. He has no choice but to lay there and experience the transformation. All the girls around are all suddenly changing into werewolves, but they're doing it in a different way. Instead of, like, we see, like, faces like shift out and you know instead of going the rick baker from american war from london way um and, and this we get everyone just literally ripping skin off their fucking bodies that is it they're ripping the flesh off and revealing their hairy selves underneath um all with the exception of anna paquin her transformation is like cg in the face but then we see this really cool practical wolf like coming up next to her and kind of like this practical wolf just like looks down. It's like Splinter from the original Ninja Turtle films, but on all fours and a lot larger. And 
So, you know, Splinter Wolf kind of looks down and, and looks up at Anna Packman and kind of like nods in approval, like, yes, eat him. He looks delicious. And she just says the whole term, you know, my, my, what big eyes you had. And then she like kind of thrusts over him and then goes down for the kill. Is tearing into his neck as Marilyn Manson's sweet dreams is playing. And at this point, is wrapping up. So originally, Peggy Lee's fever was going to play during this werewolf orgy of sorts in the forest. But, uh, you know rights that happened and the studio was actually more aggressive towards Marilyn Manson's sweet dreams they're like hey we have this Marilyn Manson song that did lovely things for our house on Haunted Hill remake we just need to have it in this movie so um yeah they do I'm not gonna lie hearing sweet dreams during this transformation scene kind of works I'm done to death with this song. I've heard it to death. I'm done with it. I'm just, I'm good. When it comes to Sweet Dreams, they are certainly not made of these. So, um, that's that. And then all the wolves in the film were created by Tatapolios Studios. I probably butchered that name. My apologies ahead of time. They are the same studio that brought you the Lycans in the Underworld series. In the Underworld series. So, there's that. Um... And yeah, as after this happens, during this attack, uh, as the song's wrapping up and we hear Howls of the Moon, we also see Sam sitting there on one of the logs, just observing this massacre take place. Just like, yeah guys, don't mind me. I'm a little eight-year-old boy in a, in a burlock sack and just, I'm, I'm the mascot, don't, don't, you can't harm me. Um, I love how his head, the shape of it, just kind of like blends into it fades to the silhouette of the sun that's a cool shot one of, it's 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 another one of my favorite shots in this movie which leads us to our fifth and final story of the episode of the episode of the film sam all right so that character we were talking about who makes appearances throughout the film well this is his story definitely saving the best for last just like this episode in general for the Harthon. so yeah sam uh, Brian Cox, he's this old guy, Mr. Krieg, who's just tired of everything. He's just, he's an old hermit, him and his dog, in this old house next to Perkins. And, uh, he's watching a lot of infomercials, you know, doing anything on Halloween night, but Halloween stuff. And when the trick-or-treaters come knock on his door, because some of them still have the galls too... He sends his dog out with these, like, glow eyes that... I mean, it's it's a clear edit to make it resemble a dog coming out of the darkness to attack these kids. But if you actually put this thing on an actual dog and say, Action! It's gonna be so ridiculous. So, yeah, um... And, yeah, Brian Cox, he's, you know, like I said, the old hermit. He's not having it. The dog that chases the kids off, they drop their bags and run away. And he ends up going back inside with the three duffel bags. Or duffel bags, listen to me. With the three sacks full of candy. I never really noticed that before. Or if, or if I have, it's been a while. And he just plops down. Starts eating them. One by one. Pieces of candy in different bags. All while like watching infomercials. With, like cooking meats and stuff. It's really bizarre. Like the combination. So uh, Brian Cox. You know Brian Cox. We love Brian Cox. He's part of my current 
he's currently in my favorite show on, on television, Succession. But uh, a lot of people remember him as um, Striker and X2. There's that well, there's that Brian Singer, Michael Doherty connection because Michael Doherty also co-wrote X2. So clearly that's why Brian Cox and Anna Paquin are in this movie. Uh, Rob Roy, Manhunter, he was the original Hannibal Lecter. As well as uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, previous episode, and uh, Braveheart. Brian Cox, ladies and gentlemen, he's in this, and he's got this awesome wig because he wanted to look like John Carpenter from the 80s, so he sports himself that long gray wig. None of that was natural. That was totally his idea. He just wanted to go out and enjoy Halloween as his idol, I guess. So in this segment, Sam is just attacking poor old man Craig, just throughout just numerous times ambushing him uh, all over the house they, he, they they go upstairs or he he gets he chases Sam upstairs and then in his bedroom all of a sudden there's a jack-o'-lantern that lights up and there's just writing all over the walls in blood one of the coolest moments of the entire film just when this thing shoots out with flames and you see like all the writing all over the wall in different areas, different fonts, shapes, sizes. It's just written, just different wording. It's, and it's all variations of trick or treat, smell my feet, give me something good to eat, um, which is amusing. And then, you know, Sam slices his leg from underneath the bed, and it's revealed that the candy bar that he has in his hand has a razor blade. Now, fun fact the razor blade. I mean, the candy bar that he attacks Krieg with that has the razor blade. That is the candy bar that he had got from Mr. Perkins earlier. I'm sorry, from Mr. Wilkins earlier. I don't know where Perkins came from. Mr. Wilkins, because I forgot to mention later on earlier when all the trick-or-treaters come to Wilkins' house and he gives out the candy. He also gives a piece of candy to Sam. And Sam takes this candy bar. And this is the candy bar that he uses with the razor blade in it. Which implies that Perkins... Jesus, there it is again. Wilkins, sorry guys, is also handing out candy with the razor blades inside of it. So yeah, um, and the, 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 the fight goes back downstairs. Krieg run, runs down the hall. And trips and falls down the steps. The steps is just nothing but razor blades, broken glass, and candy. And then when he goes to unlock the um, the door, I notice there's eight locks. Each lock for each child on the bus. And because uh, it's revealed that he's the bus driver. But we'll get to that in a second. And the there's a gumball that rolls down the stairs while he's doing all this and it's a nod that it changeling obviously another film that was shot in vancouver another horror movie rather that was shot in vancouver and uh actually it's funny it turned out the cameraman working the sequence also filmed the, the ball sequence in the changeling so it was like the very it was the same um the cinematographer that's pretty cool also um the you gotta be fucking kidding me not line that Krieg says. An obvious nod to Carpenter's The Thing. You gotta be fucking kidding me. 
So there's another Carpenter reference in there. So we got a bunch of Carpenter. The fact that Creed looks like him himself. The you gotta be fucking kidding me line from the thing. As well as, well, seeing Christine earlier in the movie. Um, and yeah, so Sam, uh, this, this, uh, around this part, Sam gets unmasked because Krieg is fighting with him. The sack comes off. He's got this actual jack-o'-lantern, like, pumpkin head. And, um, uh, <laughs> I love this shot where he's just gnawing on Krieg's leg. And then he just looks up and goes, oh, and there's a double gauge, double, double barrel shotgun just in his face. And Krieg just shoots him. And he just goes flying back and he's sitting down and his body just slides and hits the wall and he double taps him and blows his hand off and then you know he shoots more guts out and um goes to call the cops go to find out his hands running around which means he ain't dead he's still very much alive and he goes to reanimate. His hand attaches itself back to his body. He resurrects. Slowly gets up. This is when he takes the jacqueline or lollipop and takes the first bite out of it to make it to, to turn it into that the knife that he uses throughout the movie, like how he slits them his throat in the beginning. In this scene, it was still just a lollipop, and at this part, he breaks it with his mouth into the knife shape that it becomes, and the sack is also put back on his head, and he's starting to slowly return to his Sam form, and he goes to stab Krieg, but he ends up stabbing a piece of candy, and that's all he wanted. This entire segment was for Sam to get his candy and he starts eating the candy and he's enjoying it and he just gets up and walks out of the house door slams shut behind him and that's all it was so Creed goes and later on he's all bandaged up like a mummy he's actually giving candy out to kids now at this point because all Sam wants to do is make sure he's holding up the rules and making sure that he's giving out candy like parents or like like all the uh, all grown ups are supposed to do on Halloween night apparently. And um, he's doing it. He sees Sam outside. Sam acknowledges this and looks over. And this is when we see that shot from the beginning from the ground level, but now it's upward. We see how the, the car that almost hits the girl, the girl is Rhonda. The, the people in the car are like Laurie and her sister Danielle and the girls from the, the wolf pack. And then uh, we see from Wilkins' house, it's Billy dressed up as his father. He's got the glasses. He's got the bloody suit. And he's just sitting on the front porch handing out candy to trick-or-treaters. At this point of the night, it must be like 11 o'clock at night. I'm not sure why there's still trick-or-treaters outside, but I digress. And so the film ends on the note of Sam looking over and seeing Emma and her um, Henry, that's right, coming home. So we cut back to the beginning now. We're at that point again. And um, yeah. 
This is the very last scene. There's another knock at the door at Krieg's house. He goes to answer it. And, oh, I should back up. We see him now at this point. He we saw, Earlier, actually, we saw him burning pictures of the, uh, the, the kids from the bus and the bus driver. Revealing that it is him. Mr. Krieg was the bus driver who drove or was going to drive the kids off into the quarry and narrowly escaped. And when he came out, it was actually John Carpenter. John Carpenter, listen to me now. It was actually Brian Cox's idea to have that wheezing sensation. And then they added that in post um, for the flashback scene. So that was all Brian Cox who wanted to add to the character. Because, you know, if he barely you survived, almost drowning, he wanted to have something that would just still stay with him, like a scar. So he came up with the idea to give him that wheezing breath. And, um, yeah. Michael Doherty's still figuring out Sam's origin and says that if they get around to a sequel, he'd love to show him being born in a pumpkin patch. There's a great Charles Adams painting of a pumpkin patch, and you see hundreds of pumpkins, and you see one, and it's carving itself. That is Trick or Treat for Michael Doherty. I knew I could get through all this by myself. It's been a while. Thank you all for listening still at this point. Um, yeah, let's get the Critics Corner and see what they had to say about the movie. Alright, Trick or Treat has an 81% score on Rotten Tomatoes out of 32 reviews with a, consent, yeah, with a consensus that reads, A deftly crafted tribute to Halloween legends, Trick or Treat hits all the genre marks with gusto and old-fashioned suspense. Trace Thurman from Horror Queers gave it a perfect 5 out of 5 and said, I defy you to give me a better modern Halloween anthology than Trick or Treat. Joe Layden from Variety said this slick and twisted effort should enjoy lengthy shelf life as a Hollywood perennial. Kevin Ranton from MovieCrypt.com gave it a 3 out of 4 and said full of atmosphere, jack-o'-lanterns, fun facts, and yes, plenty of blood. Exactly the film horror aficionados hope to see in theaters every October. It's too bad we don't get to see it in theaters, only on home entertainment. Nick Rogers from the Film Yap gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars and said just as it would be... Just as it would be alongside a fire, the spooky power of the myths and legends being spun is all in the sto- in the style of the storyteller. This delivers the nasty goods with fluid grace and demented glee and is bound to become Halloween appointment viewing. Brad Miska from Bloody Disgusting gave it 4 out of 5 and said, Trick or treat, a trip back to the 80s when the goal was to excite and entertain, not torment you. It's the type of movie you can bring anyone to whether it's a date or your kid. 
And finally, Dread Central gave it 5 out of 5 as well. Everyone gave this a 5 out of 5. Everyone praised this movie. And they said, Trick or Treat ranks alongside John Carpenter's Halloween at traditional October viewing. And I can't imagine a single horror fan that won't fall head over heels in love with it. Also from Dread Central, from uh, well, that was from Steve. Andrew, by the way, they both gave it 5 out of 5, said, Trick or Treat is the film that horror fans have been waiting for. The antidote to every inspired inspired remake, sequel, and overhyped Holy Grail we've had to suffer through in recent years. So yeah, like I said, it got raved by critics and fans all over. So that's what they had to say. Let's get back to my thoughts and in form of pros and cons. Before I take on any job, I look at it the same way as it takes to make the thing. Positive versus negative. Now, you mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that, and you get a reaction. All right, pros. Cinematography and production, it's absolutely gorgeous. I love how all the stories take place in the same town and have various characters popping in and out of each other's stories. I love that effect. Douglas Pipe's score is a classic ode to Danny Elfman, and it complements the film just perfectly. And finally, I love how all the stories are centered around Samhain and the rules, Samhain and the rules of Halloween culture. One con, and it's a very, very minor con, gang. I wish we could spend more time in this town. That is it. All right. Now we can do live top five. Rob, it's your turn. Okay, I'm feeling kind of basic today. Top five side ones, track ones. Janie Jones, Clash, from The Clash. Hey. Let's get it on, Marvin Gaye from Let's Get It On. Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Off of Nevermind. Oh no, Rob, that's not obvious enough, not at all. How about uh, Point of No Return on Point of No Return? Lewis, so you can uh, get up a- Shut up, shut up. <laughs> white Light, White Heat, Velvet Underground. Okay, that would be on my list. Though not and on mine. Massive Attack, No Protection, the song is Radiation oh. Ruling the Nation. All right, top five trick-or-treat segments. I mean, this was a no-brainer. We got five segments. Let's do our favorite in order. Number five for me is the opening segment, Lights Out. I love it, but I don't love it as much as the other four that follow. I still think it's a great way to kick off the movie. Um, Yeah, Leslie Bibb, seeing her in this movie. uh, Normally, I'm used to seeing her in more like comedic roles. So it was cool to see her in the genre. Because I think prior to this, no, it was the same time as this. She did Midnight Beat Train with Bradley Cooper. But other than that, she was pretty much known for comedies. I know she played the wife of uh, Will Ferrell in Talladega Nights. She was also in um, um, that ridiculous movie 43 that everyone of the mother was also a part of. But yeah, uh, Leslie Bibb, she was also in one of those... Um, CW shows back in the day. I know she was in the skulls with with uh, Joshua Jackson in the early aughts, but um, yeah, not too many horror movies. This and Midnight Meat Train come to mind. That's pretty much it. And she was also in uh, Law Abiding Citizen around this time. Um, good movie too. I really want to cover that one of these days of Corey. Uh, Law Abiding Citizen. Maybe we'll get around to that next year. Um, I definitely want to do that in Death Sentence. I've been 
hype and death sentence for the longest time, and we still haven't covered it. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming next year, gang. 2023 is going to be a massive year for the film effect. We have a lot of films to cover, including Godfather films. We need to get to those, and we definitely have plans to do so next year. Um, so getting back on topic, my number four is The Principal. With everything that involves Wilkins and his son Billy, um, it's just memorable, it's funny, it's dark, it is very dark, but it's appropriate. You know, I, I felt like some of these stories had to take chances and be darker than others, and uh, it works. It, it it does with the tone and everything. It's dark, but you still have that comedy tone to it, especially with the bickering between Billy and his father. It's it's great stuff. Never gets old. Uh, my number three is the party. Um, that's the the werewolf story with uh, Anna Paquin looking for the date. She ends up getting attacked by you know. Wilkins, Steve Wilkins. Um, oh yeah, and the teeth. So back to that segment real quick. While I'm ta- while it's on my mind, after you know, before he gets killed, uh, they pull fake teeth out of his mouth. Not sure how he had fake teeth in there when we clearly saw real vampire dentures uh, prior to this. So. I don't know. I don't know whether to call it a, a flaw or a plot hole or what, but uh, just wanted to uh, make it clear. But I, I like the party. I love, love the, you know, the, the 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 sweet dream song that goes to it. I love seeing Sam at the end of that scene while all the werewolves are howling at the moon. Sam's just sitting there like, my precious is... How, how, as you will. It's great. All right, number two, my second favorite story of this whole entire film is the Halloween school bus massacre. It's just dark and demented, and and it really ties into the last story of this this film um, so well, which is my favorite story, Sam's story with Mr. Krieg. And uh, the whole tie-in with him being the bus driver it's just it's a great swerve for this horror movie that didn't honestly even need a swerve so these two stories just go together so perfectly and you know there's no other way around it they're both my favorite stories of this whole entire movie numbers numbers one and two hollywood hollywood the halloween school bus massacre and sam's story all right Let's move on to like this, try that. You can go with this, or you can go with that. You can go with this, or you can go with that. You can go with this, or you can go with that. I think you go with this, or you can So if you like this movie, then I suggest you try out either All Hallows Eve from 2013 or Tales of Halloween from 2015. Look, when it comes to this category and my two answers I just gave, it's pretty much pick your poison because both of them are anthology stories centered around the mythology of Halloween, just like this one is. It's just done differently. There's different stories. I know Tales from Halloween has 10 stories included instead of this one's five, so you get double the stories in that one. Clearly, they're not as long because they still have the same, you know, ish runtime. So, um, but yeah, those, those two are the ones I came up with. I mean, I could have sit here and said... Any anthology will do. That's bullshit. Because I could say Creepshow so easily. But at the end of the day, 
and I love Creepshow so much, but it's, it, there's nothing that ties into it with Halloween, except for the wraparound story in the beginning. We know that it's Halloween time with, you know, um, Tom Atkins and his son, uh, Joe Hill, sitting there, because when the movie starts, we see Halloween decorations outside the house. So that right there gives off the impression it's Halloween time. But other than that subtle little glimpse or glimmer, there's nothing else that indicates Creepshow being a Halloween movie. This is a Halloween movie. All right, moving on to my movie MVP. All right, now you might think I'm a little biased, but I take my job as a presenter very seriously. I will show no favoritism. I am here to honor excellence. The most valuable player is... This one was hard. This was really, really hard. I, I got Dylan Baker and Brian Cox sitting here like, which one? And I'm sitting here like, I don't know. I don't know which one to pick because they're both so damn good in this movie. It's like I can't have one without the other. Um, it, you know, I'm about to just flip a coin. If you're going to make me choose one between the two, like it's a coin flip. It, it, it could just very well be one. No, no, I'm not going to pick one. Fuck that. Those are my answers. This is my category, and I'm going to tweak it a little bit. It's a tie. Dylan Baker and Brian Cox, they're both equal in this movie. I don't care what anyone says. They really bring it. They know what kind of film this is. You know, you don't... They're they're also actors who typically don't do films like this. So it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. It's it's something outside the box with them. And uh, yeah, it pays off in spades. Can't complain once. All right, we're going to move on to our Halloween Horathon theme category and talk about my R.I.P. Rest in peace. Talk about my R.I.P. We're going to talk about my rest in peace. Now, we're going to talk about my favorite death in this movie, and that is the death of Aaron. You know, there's a lot of cool kills in this movie, and any answer would have sufficed, honestly. But there's something really creepy um, and and just downright violent with when it comes to Aaron. It's it's just it's horrible what happens to her. But you know what? Kind of had it coming with her uh, ignorance in the beginning and her attitude just towards Halloween in general. Yeah, don't do that. Don't piss off the Halloween gods. You know, you're gonna piss off Salwin's mascot, Sammy Boy. And he's going to have his way with you. And that's exactly what happens. And it leads to my favorite death in this entire movie. And that is Emma's. Alright, so we have one more category to wrap up. And that is giving this movie the final effect treatment. Ow. On a scale of one. Ow. On a scale. Ah. On a scale. Ow. On a scale of one to ten. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten. Give me the damn veggies. What do you think? Five stars. Five Incredible stars. The definition of a perfect Halloween film, and it's an anthology, so you're getting multiple tales across the same town on the same night, so everyone's sort of lingering in and out of each other's stories, and there's this whole Tarantino feel with time being all over the place. I love it. I fucking love it to death. All the actors do a great job with the material they're given. The score is perfect, and so is it's it's and it's also in sync with the mood and the Halloween feel, 
cinematography is everything, and most of all, I know I can depend on this movie to leave me satisfied no matter what. It's like that old saying a lot of us throw around from time to time in this instance, but it's so true as well. This is my comfort food, damn it. <laughs> Alright, that being said, this episode is sponsored by Spirit Halloween. As always, this is not a real sponsorship, rather more of a faux sponsorship. It's a harmless comedy bit and isn't meant to be ever taken seriously. Relax, these are the jokes. Sorry, I had to. And sadly, we have come to the end of our program. That's it. This has been Halloween Harathon 2 Dead by Pod. We hope everyone had as much fun listening as we did producing the material. It wasn't quite the ep- yeah. It wasn't quite the 18 episodes that we promised, but I'm still ecstatic over the fact that we were able to do 12 for you guys this year. Next year we're going to do something a little bit different with a certain theme for Halloween Hearthon 3, but I'm not sure what that is just yet. I just know that I've already got a couple ideas in my head, but nothing's in concrete yet. We're just going to see how it plans out. But um yes, sadly this is the end of Halloween Hearthon 2. However, that only means it's now time for Noir November to begin with an episode on Dark City this week. In the meantime, check out our ever-going collection of previous episodes on your podcast service of choice or over at thefilmeffectpodcast.com. And please, like, share, subscribe, follow us, all that jazz. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, all links in the episode notes. You can reach out to us directly if you have any questions or requests. The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com is their email, or you can message us directly on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Gonna be honest, the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter because that is where I am most active. Ratings and reviews do so much for us. So if you enjoyed this episode, then please take the 30 seconds to simply leave our podcast a quick rating or review. They let us know how we're doing, they give us a boost in the algorithm, and most of all, it gives us motivation. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Film Effect Podcast. Until next time, I'm Ed, and that's a wrap on Halloween Horathon 2 Dead by Pod. Noir November is up next with the Dark City episode dropping later this week. This week also features the return of Furycast after taking most of October off. So we'll be back before you know it. And until then, take care now. Bye-bye. Ha, 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 ha.